0: This is All Things Ansys, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 50. Our favorite new features in Ansys Mechanical 2019 R3 and a look at the news and events in the Ansys and PADT worlds. Hi there, I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners here at PADT, and your host for this podcast. I love round numbers, and this is our da, 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 50th episode, um, and PADT is 25, so it's twice as good or something. I'm not a numerologist. I just like round numbers. So, welcome to our 50th episode. Um, I remember when we first started doing these podcasts, we didn't know if we'd make it to 10. Um, it's exciting that we're at 50, and uh, so many of you continue to listen to us. So, we are hopefully doing something right. Obviously, we must be, because people keep uh, subscribing and keep adding uh, listeners and downloads. So. Uh, thank you once again, everybody, for joining us. Um, and uh, I'll I'll uh, celebrate in the next podcast when we get to fifteen thousand downloads. Um, please please let us know. Uh, please let other people know about the podcast. And, you know, share it. Uh, let people know about it. Put it on social media. Whatever it is, tell your cubicle mates. Uh, we'd love to get more people listening. So today, we're going to jump right into a discussion with Ted Harris and Joe Woodward about um, ANSYS 2019 Release 3. You know We're working our way through all the R3 stuff for 2019, and we came up on Mechanical today. So I'm I'm happy to have Ted and Joe join me, and I'll let them uh, talk a little bit more about it and introduce themselves and talk a little bit about the naming of the releases, because I actually ran into that with a customer recently. So please do enjoy. Well, I wanna I wanna welcome everybody to join us here with a discussion with Ted Harris and Joe Woodward about what's new in Ansys 2019 R3. Um, and before we get started and you guys introduce yourselves, I do want to reiterate. I actually was on a call with a customer um, who's who uh, asked his IT to load the latest version of Ansys and they loaded R19 and not 2019. R three, so do know that there's a big difference between R nineteen and and uh, two thousand nineteen. We did change um, in a year that didn't. You know, we we had to we had to kind of go have the same nineteen in both. So do be aware of that. Um, but anyway, that's a little aside for those that are listening. Uh, Ted and Joe, why don't you introduce yourselves? Ted, you can go first. My name is Ted Harris. I manage our
1: simulation support group here at long Longtime okay. Ansys user.
2: And I'm Joe Woodward, uh, lead trainer here at PADT, using ANSYS for 23 years now. Yeah, I'm not
0: going to say how long. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I got, I maybe I should just calculate it and stop because I really haven't used it as much. I haven't used it on anything pain for a while. So maybe I should just say I have used it for this many years. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about this update uh, for a lot of reasons. The the biggest is not because there's something in here that I've been waiting for a long time, which is often what I get excited about. It's that um, they're putting a lot of effort in these these are releases these r1 r2 r3 releases to, to add a lot of functionality uh we're not waiting a whole year for it and there's there's a lot of little things in here and some big things in here that that i think somebody's going to find useful so I, I really like their commitment to continuously improving the software um i always like to start with you know what's your what's your favorite joe or ted what 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 did you see in there that you're like ah that's pretty cool yeah. Let you
1: go first, Joe.
2: <laughs> I was letting you go first. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, like you said, there there is a lot in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like the uh, personally. I like the command object highlighting. the okay. uh, You know, if you use a lot of APDL and command mm-hmm. objects, it goes through and and uh, the the auto fill they mm-hmm. added last. Last time around, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So now they've uh, added the coloring to the different command highlights.
0: Great. Which is kind of something... So, so for those that haven't played with it, it's the text editor, right, for creating snippets, right? Um, and we don't call them snippets, do we? Call them snippets? What do we call them now? Code command objects, command, command objects, command objects. I always liked snippets. Yeah, um, I always them snippets. <laughs> that works too. So, so we used to have a in fact. Uh, Matt Sutton, who many of the listeners have heard on this podcast or may know, wrote a tool. Um, back before we had that, where he did the the highlighting and the autofill as part of the tool, and uh, we don't need it anymore. Um, so it's built into the interface. So that's, that's one of those things is a huge productivity gain, especially because we're we're using less and less APDL snippets, right? So um, as the as the code gets more capable, so and not having to remember those commands is pretty cool.
1: What about you, Ted? Well, I'm going to pick the new coupled field analysis type. Ah. Um, so. In the past, if you wanted to do a coupled thermal structural, you had to do some command snippets, some command objects to add the degrees of freedom, add the right loads, and then do some trickery, maybe with renaming the result file to get it all to work. So it was possible to run coupled thermal structural, and and by that we mean tightly coupled, where you're not just solving the thermal and reading the loads in to the downstream structural, you're actually solving both at the same time we do have customers that have applications where the temperature can change based on position and that's really where this is relevant and so mm-hmm. this new analysis type um has it all all built in mm-hmm. so no no longer need to do the command objects to make it work
0: cool and it's it's a, what we call a coupled matrix saw, right? So it's it's right. basically adding the thermal degree of freedom with the UX, UY, UZ. My favorite aspect of that, and I don't know why it got me so excited, is the plastic heating. And I think it brings me back to um, taking paper clips and bending them back and forth, and they get hot. That's what I thought of. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can model that now at ANSYS. Uh, so it'll 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 and the, then your material properties, right? Because as it gets hot, it gets softer. So Yeah, I don't um,
1: know if you remember it, but years ago I wrote a tutorial on mechanical, yes. mm-hmm. uh, you know, just how to get started with it. And that was what I picked was a paper clip. It didn't have the thermal part, but you know, I just was looking for an example that everyone can grasp. Okay, yes. I'm holding onto this paper clip and I'm bending it with my other hand. And it was just a, a real world example that didn't, re, you know, re, require any proprietary parts or anything like that.
0: Sounds like a good time to revisit that blog post and write it now with the, uh, with the heating.
2: That's yeah. just what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I can redo it. Cool,
0: cool. Um, there, there was a lot in the user interface. Um, Anything I mean, things like you can now assign colors to the lines that point to stuff, um, like probes and things, and it seems like you can set your selection color any anything else in the interface that you guys uh,
2: I think for me, one of the big ones is that you can now set your own buttons on mm-hmm. the toolbar um, to basically do you know little uh, command objects mm-hmm. or the the Python coding underneath, okay, but then now which they introduced last uh, last revision, uh, but now you can export those.
1: Oh, so okay. You, you can, can share them.
2: You, yeah, exactly. You can share them. You can write them out in the storm somewhere and then read them back in mm-hmm. um, for another installation so that you don't lose all of those from one installation to the other even. oh, that's For us, plan. we have a whole bunch of installations. <laughs> um, you can transfer them from one to the other. That'll be
0: good. Or say your laptop to your desktop, yeah. Right, right. Cool. Okay. Uh, what about you, Ted? Anything on the user interface side of things?
1: Um, well, there's the materials view. So at 2019 R2, a new materials view was added into mechanical, um, mm-hmm. but it didn't come up automatically. I think you had to right-click to get to it. And now in okay. R3... When you select materials, that view displays by default. And so it's stepping back a little bit. It's something that I think a lot of people had wanted for a long time, which mm-hmm. is the ability to specify your material properties directly in the mechanical window right. without having to go back to engineering data. And if you're using the new uh, ANSYS materials data for simulation, the the add-on code that gives us access to hundreds of uh, Granta materials from right. the, the ANSYS acquisition of Granta. This is where you get to them.
0: Ah, okay. And it shows it shows the graphs and stuff of the nonlinear things too, right? So it's pretty visual. Yeah,
1: right. And, right. I mean, Any material property that is a graphable quantity, it will show that. Cool. All right. Yes.
0: Another uh, enhancement
2: that I liked um, that a lot of people probably find uh, reducing your your. Mouse click count is <laughs> you can go start mechanical directly from the windows uh, start menu. Um, you don't have to open workbench and start a project Perfect. and then open mechanical anymore. Um, you can open mechanical directly, uh, read your geometry in there. Um, it's still making the project in the background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Right. Um, and in fact, I think it might even bring up the project window. Mm-hmm. As well, but you don't have to go through the project to get there.
0: So I'll speed up the, that, that, the start of
2: mm-hmm. the analysis.
0: That's kind of kind of nice because I think for a lot of mechanical users, you're you're just doing a single uh object in the project and and it's kind of an unnecessary step because you're not coupling things or doing different physics. And yeah, good point. Very good point. I like it. It's probably one of those things that's been on the to-do list for a while, and they finally got around to it. Um, I think so. <laughs> so. let's get a little bit more technical and, and certainly beyond my uh, experience, because I've never really done fracture mechanics. But can, can one of you guys uh, kind of tackle the new um, – what, what's new with smart crack growth in mechanical?
2: Well, uh, I think uh, Ted has the acronym
0: down. Yeah, what's it? What what is smart? Smart just doesn't mean that it's intelligent. What does smart stand for? Did we lose Ted?
2: I think we lost Ted. Uh, it actually stands for uh, separating morph morphine adaptive remeshing technology. So it allows uh, the crack to grow through the mesh, uh, and and it will remesh as it goes. Uh, a long time ago it used to be you'd have an assumption of where your crack was gonna go and you'd build your model that way. Right. So that you could use contacts or whatever in between and, and have it separate along the way. Uh but this actually uh as it does the J integrals and, and figures out what the next crack direction is gonna go, mm-hmm. uh then it goes through and remeshes. So okay. you can actually just grow a, grow a crack through through the mesh. So, on this latest release, um, uh, they've improved the the performance on that. Um, they've parallelized the the fracture parameter computations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all that's parallel now. Um, Good. And then one of the big things is that they've added in tabular loading um, so that uh, you're Temperatures and things can be uh, tabular loading over time or mm-hmm. over, you know, spatially varying over um, your model, uh, as lo- as well as uh, your displacements and force boundaries
0: can can be okay. all tabular loads now. So that's something. new. So it's not just a t- uh, a cyclic load that just goes on until the crack's done. You can actually change that load over time.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the the other big thing is that you can now put just an arbitrary crack, mm-hmm. uh, which they've had for a while. um You just specify a a surface body that basically cuts into your model, okay um and then it gets meshed around that that surface, so that becomes your crack face. But in this release, they've um integrated that with an imported mesh from the external model. Okay. So if you have uh, an older mesh that you're reading in, okay. you can then just
0: add a crack into oh. that imported mesh and mm-hmm. start running. Which is which is not uncommon for somebody to maybe even have an M- MAPDL model from back in the day, or, right. or maybe, God forbid, an Nastran model or something like that. Um, right. So they can, can take an old, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, an old an old analysis. Mm-hmm. Suddenly they have a crack, and then go back and. Put a crack in that location and
0: see what the analysis shows, and have the same mesh so you can can uh, kind of compare apples to apples. Yeah, that's right. cool. Yeah, right. that is that is a big deal. Um, yeah, cool. Anything you want to add? Uh, Ted Ted's having a, some some Wi-Fi issues, so yeah, yeah, he comes and goes. There he is. <laughs> Did you guys back. talk about
1: what the smart method? Uh, Yes, smart actually. What it stood for. For? Okay, yes, we yeah. did.
0: Okay, we great. did. Uh fortunately Sorry, Joe go. took notes. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry I got cut off uh, for uh, a that's, that's that's the worries it's uh we uh we have an aging uh, n- uh, network backbone here at PADT that we're in the process of I think it found out we were in the process of updating so now it's rebelling against us. Yeah, it seems uh, <laughs> to be going <laughs> south quicker than it had been. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, "Well, you're doing what?" Um so, um another thing that i we talked about we talked about the the uh, coupled field oh, so there's some some new things in acoustics, and uh have either of you played with the ability to take your your results and turn it into a wave file yet no i have not
2: no. sounds interesting
0: though. yeah it <laughs> sounds <laughs> really cool i i need to uh i I need to find a um a simple model that I can build and uh, and and figure out how to do that. I think that that would be really kind of a neat thing to do.
2: Actually, I'm wondering my my daughter's uh, science fair project this year is a Klondi uh, plate, where you take a plate and the vibrations, the acoustic vibrations. Oh to, yeah. To do you know show the, the mode iron, shapes, ironings, yeah, right. Do the mode shapes, mm-hmm. and uh, so maybe I can do that and then see if you know make the yeah. make the the. Uh, Wave file to see if it comes out with the same tones as, as maybe, uh,
0: what her thing is doing. Maybe I should uh, model a Fender jazz bass and see what it sounds like, right? There you go. <laughs> well, I was
1: thinking saxophone.
0: Yeah, saxophone, yeah. I
1: have the full CFD mm-hmm. structural. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing that uh, Adolf Sachs was able to figure out how to make that thing work 170 years
0: ago or whatever. Yeah. There's just so much going on. So much going on without answers. Yeah. yeah. So so that's a cool feature. Um as as neat as it is, it's also kind of useful and it gets into the whole idea of uh, NVH, you know, the ability to, to model what the experience is. Of course, in a vehicle is usually where you talk about noise vibration and harshness. But even um I remember we designed a hydrogen blower years ago, um and we put it all together and we fired it up and the the cooling, the plate on the back that covered the cooling chamber it had conformal cooling. Um, vibrated at just this annoying high-pitched frequency that was excited by the passing frequency of the rotor. Um, and you um, know, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a lot of strain, so we didn't worry about it, right? Because it was it was not causing it wasn't going to fail, it wasn't going to fatigue. But what we didn't realize was how loud it was. It was a, it was basically a speaker. Um, So um, now, um, and we ended up putting some ribs on it to get rid of it. But um, um, that would have been cool to predict in simulation that we can do now. What that would actually like?
1: I think it's clear. It's becoming more and more important because devices are pushing limits on efficiency and performance and. When you do that, it tends to get noisy if you're not careful. So having tools that yeah. can predict it and help mitigate it are really critical.
0: And, and, and um, you know, with adding the new uh, motor, what's the new motor tool we just partnered with? Uh, MotorCad? MotorCad. Yeah. MotorCAD. Yeah. So we've got Maxwell, we've got MotorCAD. So we're doing... Tons more um, motor simulation, electric motor simulation, and they can be very noisy. Um, and I think that's going to be a positive application when you take yeah. your do your acoustic analysis after your motor analysis and then figure it out. Um, so we also have a lot. We talked about a lot in the user interface. There's there's some stuff in the post processing. Um, anything in there that you guys uh, thought was worth mentioning? Um, I think there was something about the ability to do um, combinations on user-defined results. Was that right?
2: Yeah, the the solution combinations that have been in there for a long time, Mm -hmm. uh, they finally added so that you can do user-defined results within the solution combinations um, so that you can put in an expression and and Mm -hmm. go and do – you know, the, the user-defined results that you want, but
0: on the combined solution. Combined results. So combining different load steps, um, and, and instead of doing it in Excel, we can now do it in, uh, in right. right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it looks like... Go ahead. Yeah. I was going
2: to say, another one is, is on the cyclic symmetry uh-huh. analysis. Uh, you can now use the solution coordinate system. Uh, okay. Which in the past, when you had cyclic symmetry, it always had to be in the global, car- global Cartesian coordinate system for the results. Okay. Um, so now you can – if you rotate all your element coordinate systems into the, the, cy- into the cyclic coordinate system, the, the cylindrical coordinate system, then you can get your hoop and, and uh, radial stresses and things like that okay. uh, much easier now.
0: That is a useful thing. Again, probably something we've been writing little code snippets for. To, for
2: exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always say the 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 uh, the best part of these new features is removing the need for people that need know how to code, <laughs> yeah. putting us so, putting us out of a job. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, anybody want to talk about this new animation with attached camera capability? Uh, uh,
2: yeah, it's uh, it, it's really and the example I always think of is if you're looking at a room and and you throw a ball mm-hmm. and you see the ball bounce across the room. Well, the attached camera is a way to focus on the ball. Okay. And have whatever's going on pass the ball instead of the instead of the ball passing the camera type thing.
1: Yeah, when we were talking about it earlier, it's kind of like putting a GoPro camera right. on a portion of your model. And what you're viewing is now what the the GoPro is recording, not what you're
0: viewing from you know off to the side, or you know, right. far away. So so that's that is kind of sometimes that's kind of useful. You want to change your perspective on your animation. So and 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 for me, it's another example of how they really improved animation in mechanical um, yeah. recently.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean,
2: if you have some some strange uh, motions in a in an analysis. Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to isolate one part and see what the other parts are doing around it can Mm -hmm. help you, you know, realize what's really going on.
1: And when Joe does the webinar on this coming up in the near future, there's an animation example that um, maybe you'll show Joe, but it shows a four bar linkage with two different viewpoints. One is the, the regular viewpoint where, you know, you're, you're looking down at the screen and another one is the, Camera is attached to one of the joints in the four bar linkage and then you you see stuff as it moves around that point. So it's not quite the GoPro thing that I was talking about, but that's Mm -hmm. the general idea is you're fixing the camera to a
0: portion of the model. Very cool. Um, I want to change gears a lot. In fact, you can use this to model gears. <laughs> Why don't you tackle um uh first of all explaining what general axis symmetry is? I think a lot of users aren't really familiar with axisymmetry and general axisymmetry, and then wow. what's new in this release for it.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. A lot of a lot of users aren't familiar with axisymmetric
0: mm-hmm.
2: models in general. Cause, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, with mechanical, it's so easy to just take your your solid 3D model and right. and go for it. Uh, but axisymmetric models uh, allow you to have a just a two two D cross section
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, of the model and rotate it around a given axis. Um, and in years past, that axis has always had to be the global Y axis. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's been a constraint from they want this earliest. Yes. John version. Swanson put yeah. it in there. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you if you are going to make something where it's a consistent cross section and it'll uh, analyze the, the small 2d cross section and give you the, the results for the full 3d, mm-hmm. but it was always in that y-axis. So now with the generalized axisymmetric, um, we've been waiting for this for years. Uh, you can now pick the axis of rotation, mm-hmm. so that if your model, if if your model is built in, you know where it rotates around the x-axis. A lot of companies mm-hmm. have their They're kind of standard. their engine, yeah. yeah, their engine axis is around x. You can now pick that as your rotation axis uh, without having to move your model and all of that. But aside from that, you can also have multiple axes. So mm-hmm. uh, as I was telling you earlier, I made a, a little bevel gear, gear model mm-hmm. that is just two little half cross sections uh, that touched along the bevel. And one rotated around the X axis and one rotated around the Y axis. And you put a force on, on one and you see the reaction torques on the other nice and it, it worked beautifully you know um so you can go through and and do these types of complicated gearbox mm-hmm. analyses now without having to have the full 3d gears you can have just simple little cross sections um, as as your first cut these uh, axis metric models
0: Right, and if you've got a, a large uh, powertrain or something like that, you don't have to model everything in 360. You can um, right. you can use model the axisymmetric, and you can have different axes. And so if you make spinny stuff with more than one axis, or maybe your axis, like you said, is not aligned with the global uh, for whatever reason, even even if it's just like a power shaft coming off it. 35 degrees that right. was always kind of a pain to deal with right.
1: yeah. or
2: like yeah. you said with a powertrain usually you have different mm-hmm. gears spinning around different axes right um mm-hmm. it makes it much simpler
1: mm-hmm. and even with the explosion of computing power over the last 10 or 20 years there's still advantages to simplifying your model so mm-hmm. that it runs much more quickly with less resources
0: definitely yeah, nice. that's a, that's a good point. I think sometimes uh, newer users, especially, don't think about that. That you know, if I can get an answer in five minutes instead of two hours, think of how many more iterations I can do and how many more what ifs and how, how much more I can get done. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Cool. Cool. Um, let's talk in and we let's also talk about component mode synthesis. What's new there at this release? Well,
2: Ted, you got that one?
1: big yeah, one in my mind is that the CMS method is now supported for random vibration. Right. So that yeah. was a piece that was lacking before. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do an expansion pass, but at least you can do the reduction pass
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: to allow for the, the, basically the same kind of thing. A, mm-hmm. a simpler model that mm-hmm. gives us a result much faster than mm-hmm. modeling
0: everything in – in great detail, so tell you tell you if a part is getting really excited or not. Yeah,
1: right. So from a top level component mode synthesis, it's mm-hmm. basically substructuring. So we're taking components that make up a, a structure, an assembly, a system, and we're representing them. We're still modeling mm-hmm. them and, and meshing them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we're reducing them down into essentially master degrees of freedom that uh-huh. represent the structure without the full numerics being there. So it's right. a way of getting the the full effect of the structure while saving a lot in computational expense. Yeah.
2: Right. And you can still you can still scope your PSD responses to parts that are not condensed. So oh, good you point. can still get those results for your your areas of interest for, you know, but you can condense out all the other parts of your assembly um, to make everything run faster.
0: So let's say I've got a, um, uh, a mirror for an astronomy or a, or a optics, some sort of optics. So maybe a camera or a, or astronomy and it's on this complicated gimbal support. I don't have to model to do the PSD to see what the response of the mirror is. I don't have to model all that stuff. I can substructure it and just leave the mirror itself unsubstructured. Is that right? Right. Nice yeah nice
2: and then for other other types, not um, random vibe uh, they've parallelized that expansion pass okay, so for static structural type models um, the condensing the condensing pass um, making the each of the the components into a single matrix mm-hmm. that's been parallelized okay. uh, but then that expansion pass to bring all those results back mm-hmm. has also been uh, parallelized as. This time
0: around. So if you if you work on large structures and you worry about vibration, you probably know what CMS is. <laughs> but uh, if not, uh, do do check it out. Um, you may be modeling large complex structures and you don't need to. You may only need to model. You may be able to substructure the whole thing using CMS, or maybe just all the supporting yeah. uh, structures. Or because one of the things that you often had to do is is kind of make assumptions about what the stiffness. Um, of the surrounding structure was um, or treated as rigid um, now now we can model that uh, and get a fairly fairly accurate response So right. that's, that's really cool
2: just usage wise they' made it so much easier um, mm-hmm. you know just picking which parts are going to be Good. condensed and go off and run it
0: so, so you, you start with your assembly and you just say which ones are condensed and which ones aren't and yeah cool 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 um, Let's talk then about we're we getting even more. This this may be the the nerdiest one. Um, the um, what's available with shape memory, uh, nitinol, right? Yeah. Shape memory okay. metal. Well, I, I can <laughs> talk about that one. Yeah. So, shape memory alloy is
1: the material model for nitinol. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, a metal that changes shape, and then reverts back to its original shape. So a lot of use in medical devices, mm-hmm. stents, filters, things like that. Um, and what's new is you can now have different uh, moduli for the pure austenite phase and the pure martensite phase. So prior to this, when you looked at your stress-strain curve, the austenite and the martensite portions of that curve were always or portions of the stress strain curve were always parallel, and now the slopes can be different. So that just gives us the ability to uh, more accurately capture behaviors for certain types of shape memory alloys.
0: And that's that's probably one of those things you may be using a code that I won't name on the podcast for, um, and uh, so it's good it's good to have that now in in Ansys. Yeah. So yet another reason not to have that one seat of that other code
2: and looks like it's supported for axisymmetric and solid 3ds
0: good excellent very good Um, there's some other uh, kind of uh, less used material modeling stuff that's been added so so definitely take a look at that if that's of interest to you Um, you know here in the desert we we don't do a lot of floating stuff, but uh, Ted, I know that that you've uh, you and, and some of our other engineers have supported some of our customers in Texas uh, with Aqua. So there's some new yeah, stuff. Yeah, not there, not right? just Texas. We've oh, that's had right. uh, uh, yeah. the national labs, labs have been using it, and also uh, in
1: California we have a customer right. that's involved in shipbuilding. shipbuilding. Um, and so the project we're talking about is Aqua, Ansys Aqua. So this is a, a hydrodynamic diffraction code, is what it's called, and Um, that's been, uh, being integrated into mechanical and what's new at 2019 R3 is, uh, a new aqua load mapping act extension that can handle multiple wave cases. So, um, aqua itself is used for, uh, ocean type loading. So it could be ships, it could be offshore oil rigs and not just, uh, things that are propelled or floating, but it can also handle mooring lines and all sorts of interesting behaviors of things that are floating due to waves and mm-hmm. undergoing currents and wind loads and, and things like that. And so, um, what this extension allows us to do is additional capability mm-hmm. within mechanical cool. of using that that Aqua tool.
0: So the transition of the legacy Aqua more more and more into mechanical, yeah. right. Oh, right? Cool, very neat. Um, I think that I have run out of my list of stuff that I thought was cool. Um, anything you guys want to add before we wrap it up? Um,
1: well, you know, if people haven't used 2019 R2, Mm -hmm. that was when we had the new ribbon interface added to mechanical. change. the look and feel is a little different. 2019 R3 still brings up, uh, a, uh, a multiple slide—I uh, don't want to really describe it as a help document, mm-hmm. but sort of a—you know—an assist, a, a set of steps that assist us. Um, I, I think you'll find, once you start using it, it's very intuitive and user-friendly. Right. It's not horribly different from what was there before. It's just organized, um, maybe in the way that we're more used to these days with with other tools that we use day to day on our computers.
2: Yeah, the, the couple of times that I'm looking for something and I can't find it, I realize, oh, it's right there in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the ketchup in the refrigerator, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like I'll tell myself, why isn't it here? It should be right here, and I'm pointing at the icon. Yeah,
1: um, and I think there were some, I subtle, <laughs> some subtle changes between R2 and R3 in the ribbon interface. Yeah, yeah. And Some things are are sticky now that maybe weren't in the first incarnation of it.
0: And there's always, I always like to point out the fact, and, and this has been very helpful for me as I've wandered my way around the new interface, is there's a, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a, there's a search. Yep. And so if you put in what you're looking for, um, it'll show it to you where it is in the interface. And I think it's even added some new features at, at R3 where it shows you stuff that's down in the footer section, um, not just, not just the menus. So, yep. All yeah, right. very nice. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing. Well, there's a lot there. Uh, Joe is going to be going through even a subset. Of, uh, we're you're not going to go through everything, but you're going to you're going to find a subset that's a little bit bigger than the one that we just talked about. Right. Uh, in the next webinar, and when is that webinar? We got that scheduled. That is next uh, next week, November sixth. November sixth. What date that is? Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. It's usually a Wednesday. It's yes. usually a Wednesday. yes. And It's at eleven eleven a.m. Arizona time. Okay. And daylight savings time kicks in this weekend, correct? So, well, it ends this weekend. Or when's this weekend? Thank for you. Those, for those of us that aren't always standard. That's right. It's, uh, right. It's, for those that don't know, Arizona is one of uh, two states in the U.S., Hawaii being the other one that does not observe daylight savings time because we have plenty. We don't need to save any of it. Um, and, we actually uh, want it to end. We want it to end. end I always I advocate that we should be on somebody else's time zone so that if the sun goes down at like, Two o'clock in the afternoon.
1: Well, actually, in the winter is when we should be on daylight savings yeah, time. Exactly. Because that's when you want more it's daylight at the end of the day.
0: Right. If I'm ever governor of Arizona, I will do that. I promise. Um, thank you very much, guys. Uh, lots of cool stuff in there. Always yep. check it out. Always read the release notes um, if you want to learn more and never hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions or anything. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yep. Have a good Next day. time well thank you for joining us with that there's a lot, there's a lot we didn't we didn't cover a lot we, we covered as much as we could and we went a little long so I'll go fast through the rest of the podcast if you want to learn more uh, do sign up for the webinar which is on November 6th of uh, next week which is a Wednesday or actually the week that this podcast comes out it's going to be Wednesday November 6th at 11 p.m Phoenix time and you can always listen to the recording by going to the uh, brighttalk.com and searching for padt and finding the particular one you want to listen to so you can listen to them live or you can download them later Um, in the world of ansys news we've got two really cool stories to report on that i want to share with you guys um Ansys acquired another company uh, called Denardo. They're out of Germany, and they make a make a product called OptiSlang, which is uh, one of our favorite optimization tools, maybe maybe our favorite for some of the guys around here. Uh, it's a fantastic tool. We always recommend it to customers, and it's great to have them part of the Ansys family, and we look forward to see how that's going to get integrated into all the different products we have. So welcome to Denardo, guys. You were close, close to the Ansys world already, and now you're even closer. Um, the other thing to report in the world of Ansys news, is they opened up a new building with Carnegie Mellon University called ANSYS Hall. So uh, you can say, I'm going to go to ANSYS a hall and run Ansys, um, pretty cool. Uh, it's a, it's a new building. It's got a big design area, some maker spaces, and they've got access, of course, to Ansys tools throughout. It's it's a it's a beautiful building uh, on the inside and the out. And uh, do do check out um, the Ansys blog. There's an article about it as well as press releases everywhere. And this is a great example of Ansys giving back. Um, you know, they invest a lot of money in R and D. They of course support education through giving out. Um, uh, student licenses and lower cost research and teaching licenses, but this is a direct um, application to to foster future education there in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Mellon University. So, a little round of applause for Ansys for doing that. It makes it makes a big difference, and I wish more companies would do so. Um, I kind of skipped over the stock. It's sitting at 220. We did go long, um, and Ansys. The, the important thing you need to know is that Ansys is giving out their Q3 data after the market closes on November 6th, which is Wednesday, and and then we'll see some some changes, hopefully, to the stock. And in our next podcast, we will talk about what they talk about. But until then, there's really nothing to, to discuss in the world of stocks. So the other thing I want to do is a list my three favorite blog posts since the last issue of the, uh, podcast. Um, the first one uh, yesterday here in the U S was Halloween and, uh, some Ansys engineers, uh, did a little bit of riff on that. And in the Ansys CFD package there's something called the mixing template, which is for doing mixing fluids. Um, you know, you can put a little, uh, rotor in there and basically it builds all that for you and, uh, tells you how your, your, your different species are going to mix. So they, uh, did a a story called how to optimize the mixing of your elixir of life. And there's some, some boil, boil, toil and trouble, um, um, Verses in there as well. It's kind of fun. Take a look at that. Um, I learned something totally new in an article called Create and Analyze System Models Using Architecture Analysis and Design Language, or AADL. And I guess that's a way to represent, or I learned that's a way to represent embedded system models when you're building uh, and testing systems. Um, It talks about how Ansysgate uses the language to model systems. And um, even again, like I always say, even if you're Doing mechanical or fluids or maybe HFSS, knowing some of the system level stuff is pretty useful because it all starting to plug together. So do check that out. And then the third one that I wanted to point out is uh, keeping with the system's theme: what is reduced order models, and uh, what is a reduced order model, and what it <clears throat> what's its product development role? I don't know why I'm stumbling over that one. Uh, it's it's a it's a nice little short bit about how to create ROMs, what we call reduced order models, ROMs. Um, using Design Explorer. And in fact, they're not using mechanical or electrical like you would expect. They're actually using Fluent. They explore a design space. They get a surface, a response surface from exploring that design space. And that turns into basically a lookup table that you can put into a system level model. So do check that out. Um, If you're not doing system level modeling, you should be creating ROMs for people that are, and this is a great introduction to that. Over on the PADT blog, Matt Sutton put out a post uh, for ACT programmers on how to expose information about your custom objects in the details plane and mechanical. So, do do check that out. Uh, it's using the properties uh, uh, class, I think it's called. Um, and uh, it's it's another great Matt article about how to customize uh, ANSYS products using ACT and a big help on how to add things like, the say, the name of your coordinate system that you created into the drop down in a details page in mechanical so check that out uh, upcoming events wise of course we've got that webinar on the 6th um and do check that out on ansys mechanical 2019 r3 learn more and see the animations yourself and then we've got a, a webinar coming up at the end of the month for FlowNEX uh, on secondary air system modeling um, and that those are both available to link to on the ansys are the PADT page at wwwpdtinccom slash events and you can click on the information or the registration to get to either of them. And uh, what else is going on in the world of PADT? Well, Rob Rowan, our Director of Engineering, I don't know that he's been on the podcast before, but uh, he heads up our simulation services group as well as our design group. Um, He and I will be headed over to Long Beach, a part of California that is not on fire, um, to attend the 2019 Fuel Cell Seminar and Energy Exposition in Long Beach, California. That's November 5th through 7th, and we'll be talking about how we do custom blowers for air and hydrogen in fuel cell applications, and we, of course, use a lot of ANSYS both on the fluids, the mechanical side, and on the electromagnetic side because we do custom motor design, Um, and we, we look at all those things that way. We will also be at the eighth annual American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, the AIAA, Rocky Mountain Sector, their annual technical symposium, which is on the 19th, November 19th this month at the University of Colorado Boulder. And uh, our Colorado team will be there. So we um, if you are a listener and you're in the Colorado area and you're going to go to that AIAA symposium, stop by our booth and say hi to everybody there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and see you that's it for, for us, for events in the near future. Um, I do want to, I joked a little bit about the fires in California. It's actually quite horrifying. Do want to reach out to any of our listeners that are caught up in that. We, we had a couple of employees in California, um, that have been impacted by it. Not, not too bad, just kind of, um, difficult to breathe. Uh, one, one person got laryngitis from all the smoke. Um, it, it's bad and we feel for you. And, uh, I don't know what we can do to help, but uh, let us know if we can in any way, shape, or form, at least in the ANSA side of things. Um, do take care of yourself and be safe. Um, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing when wind and high temperatures and combust- and uh, tinder gets together, fuel gets together. Uh, it's not a good thing, so do be safe. Don't for- forget to subscribe to com/optin and spread the word about uh, the podcast and don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 50. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc. And the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog. And please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at See you next time.